Trekkers and Trekkers, welcome to this amazing Star Trek podcast on Trek Tuesday. I'm your host, Arinda, and together with my lovely co-host, Amanda Hopper, we recap every two weeks an episode of Star Trek, starting with Star Trek The Next Generation. All the episodes will recap in chronicle following. We will approach the episode with humor and a feminine look. Today's recap is of the episode Encounter at Farpoint, Part 1 and 2. But let me introduce you to my co-host, Amanda. Hey, girl, how are you doing? I am doing really well today. Good. Are you Thanks excited? Thanks for having me. Are you excited to do this all? Yes, I am. Good, me too. I'm excited. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's good we started with Star Trek uh, The Next Generation, because the last thing I read about... Uh, Netflix UK is that they're going to remove three of the uh, series and that was not TNG oh, really? oh that's crazy yeah I in uh, one thing I think that the fans will uh, protest again because when they did it oh. last year people went uh, stand up and uh, protest about it and then they put it up on oh. again. I would too if they did that to here yeah, so we have to wait and see in the last, uh, uh, at the end of uh, next month, uh, they will be removed. So. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, and then just three series of them, you know, like uh, TOS, Voyager, and Enterprise. Enterprise. So, hmm. it sucks, that's but okay. That's crazy to get the next generation. Yeah, it is. So, um, yeah, we need to wait and see and hope that people here in the UK are, are standing up and saying, uh-uh, not on our watch. I agree. They better not <laughs> remove it on you guys. Nope. <laughs> but okay, uh, let's start with the recap. This is, uh, well, not new to me, but it's a... Uh, I was thinking on what I'm doing with this uh, podcast is just I don't see a lot of girls talking about Star Trek on uh, online in the way of a podcast or whatever. So I was thinking, okay, let's do this. So your first impression of Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, it was a two-parter episode. Mm-hmm. Squeezed into one episode, basically. It's like basically they introduce a whole new crew of humans, Klingons, Beta Z, and other cultures, and they have their one android that's working on the ship with them. And the lieutenant commander, and you got Captain Jean Luc Picard, Commander Riker, Doctor Crusher, who has a son named Wesley, and you got Worf, who's the Klingon, and Tasha Yar, and then you got Jordy LaForge, who is the blind engineer. And exactly. basically, they have to go to a uh, station called Farpoint Station, which was created by the Bandy. And of course, who they meet along the way? Uh, their very first alien, known as the Q Entity. Yeah, who, uh, Q. He causes all this chaos and mischief for them. Which we know in future episodes, he's going to be a pain in Picard's backside. Yeah, and not only that, um, 
my first impression of Q was is that he thinks he is all the highest being in of alien yeah. in the whole galaxy. So Yeah, he thinks he, he thinks he's Mr. High and Mighty of everyone. Uh-huh. Basically. Yeah. He thinks he's like a god amongst people. Yeah, you can say about that, yeah. Yeah. And that's why he is one of my least um, least favorite characters in Star Trek, but okay. Um, but it is still, um, I do think Q will be having um, a lot of interference with, like, well, mm. Picard the most and... Uh, of course, Janeway and Cisco of DS9, mm. of course. Yeah, I remember that part. But right with Picard, though, in Counter, there he he just um, puts him on trial in, in part of the episode. He puts Picard and Data, I think Yara uh, went with him, and um, Deanna Troy went with him. They were put on trial for... Uh, Crimes against humanity. Well, it's basically. a little bit weird, of course, because uh, we <laughs> as humans don't know that. It's like an Antigalactica uh, trial, and with Q only as judge, jury, and yes. prosecutor. Executor. So, yeah. So, yeah. what I find of Picard how he handled that it's very new mm. but also you could see his all his emotions towards Q was very clear like uh, the frustration the anger but also mm. the helpless the but also uh, the diplomat that's the very start of being Picard as a diplomat yeah like he was, um, yeah. Like I agree, he was basically, basically. I think he was also a bit scared too at one point, and yeah, he was also upset. Because it is new, of course. Mm. Everything is new, but there was yeah. some little thing I like to say about this because Star Trek: The Next Generation was my first ever Star Trek, and so I have mm, been grown up me. with. I've been grown up with, and this, especially. This episode, that's the first ever episode I um, watched uh, as as a Star Trek. Well, I wasn't a fan like that, but um, the first time I saw this episode, there was one scene I stayed hooked with. And that was the part that the social section um, separated from the battle bridge. So... Yeah! That was the moment I was thinking, wow, I'm going to like this. I'm going to follow this. And later on, in about season three or something, I really became a Star Trek fan. And mm. But this, this episode was the first encounter for me with Star Trek. But also, I stayed hooked with it. I was thinking, okay, I'm going to give this a chance. <laughs> I don't. Okay, I was gonna say I don't recall which episode it was I started with because it was my uncle 
that introduced me to Star Trek, and that's when, after seeing a few episodes, I'm like, oh, I love this. And I just continued watching, and now I have it on Blu-ray. All seven seasons. So, so that was yeah. my start with Star Trek. Um, what also is, you could see that Data was just really programmed as Data, an android. And later on mm. in the seasons, you see him, him more developed, more... Yeah. And that it's was... Regressing. Yeah. And I think that's the... Uh, I think that's when you could definitely see that this was a pilot episode. Mm. And you could see also they're still looking for... Uh, for example, what kind of the department's color they are. Because we see, for example, Worf in red. And he was on the con. And... We all, uh, yeah, we know Worf, of course, more more as in tactical and in a case yeah. that he will really? work, he will he would work in engineering, helping Jordy. Yeah. So, and um, one thing come in mind also. This is the f one of the one times I really do like the hair of Troy. They experiment oh, so much yeah. with her hair and closing that is yeah that, that that was a disaster for her and also this dress she wore it was so short <laughs> i know so they, i think they called i think they called them scants yeah that's right yeah they went like above the knee and i was all i could think is holy moly that's short <laughs> Yeah, but this is definitely short. Yeah, I think she had some shorts on underneath too, I think. I was thinking, you won't see that anymore in uh, yeah, the, the rest of the season and all seasons that she's no. wearing that, that short. And come in mind too, and I saw that later on, in the same episode, I believe, Chasha and I were first the trouser uniform and then oh, the pants. She, yeah. then she went then she wore the scant and I was thinking I like her more on the trouser uh, version of it, you know? And yeah, why yeah. would they why would they change that in one season? I don't know. So bizarre. They just couldn't I don't know if they couldn't make up their mind or what. Well that's why I said you could you can really can see this is a uh, a pilot because they are still looking for the things mm. that they uh, normally do and yeah it's just just looking for the right things mm. yeah because in future episodes uh diana she had some really nice outfits that she wore yeah and some like also some really nice but i remember a uh, interview with her and she was very complaining about the hairstyle and the changing of the clothes every time. Yeah, because the one there were skin tight, that would be like really uncomfortable. The one piece suit there, the really tight one. Mm hmm. Yeah, that would be like a really uncomfortable one for her, I'm betting. Yeah, but that's what also the same with Seven of Nine. Yeah, she, she had to wear a corset. 
She hated the cat suit. And she burned mm. them all. But that is for yeah. another episode to talk about. Talking about hair. We see now that Picard has still a little bit of hair. Yeah, a little bit. Horseshoe hair. And that's kind of... <laughs> yeah, it's kind Because like it goes around his head like a horseshoe. But okay, we have to do with it. And I, um, I remember that Gene Roddenberry didn't pick him, Picard, of uh, Patrick Stewart, as first captain of the... He, there was someone else who... Uh, did audition for it and oh I then, didn't know who that was and then he uh, had to come back for Gene Roddenberry and first he had to uh, wear a toupee or a wig for see an audition with hair and then they did one without hair and Gene Roddenberry said okay it's done okay we have a bold captain okay so that was in, in, in one way very funny of it, and um, hmm. well, I think that's it's where he known for. I think it's the also what I really thought about the the first meeting between Picard and Riker was very uh, tenseful, and it's still a start of a good friendship, but. Um, yeah, what do you think about that? Cause yeah, because I, I think I think Riker, I think was he like a little hesitant at first to meet the captain, like no, he was I, nervous or something. I don't think he was nervous, but I do think he was uh, eager to please uh, him, to please to, the captain. Well, like, not please the captain, duties. but more more in the way of prove himself that he was yes, worthy. He want. Yeah, he's more eager to prove himself to his captain. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And I think that's that was the tone that was set for the friendship and the captain and first officer yeah. uh, connection. What I also do think was that um, the meeting between Dr. Crusher and Picard. Ooh, it was tense because Picard used to be um, Dr. Crusher's boss of her husband, and her husband got killed underneath the mission that Picard was doing. Yeah, and uh, they were very much friends in that way because... Yeah. And, um, well, there was thing what what I always loved about is there was that that when they talked in sickbay and that Picard was uh, welcoming her personally I mm. think there was tension but there was also a little fling I don't want to say flirtation but more like okay <laughs> there will be some romance between those two mm. And she said she wanted the posting on his ship, too, she said. Yeah, and that was uh, when I saw that one the second time, I was thinking, yeah, okay. So um, she wanted that because it's, of course, one of the, at that time, that uh, it was one of the uh, newest ships around. 
and mm. it's also like um, I don't know. It's 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 just uh, that's what I really like about from season three. They um, there was an interview with uh, Gene Roddenberry and Picard that. They say, okay, uh, Patrick Stewart was not happy with how the storyline went, etc, etc. And from season 3, they gonna do backstories from, uh, for the characters, etc, etc. And since then, and I must say, since then, it becomes better and better. Yeah. So, um... Okay. Yeah, let's show some backstories of some of the people. And... Oh! Coming back on Dr. Crusher. So, I'm, guys, I'm uh, reading my notes meanwhile also. Dr. Crusher, when she was on Far Point Station, she bought something, but... Yes, some fabric. Yeah, and it was like she would pay for it, but how does she gonna pay for it? Because there was no money. Yeah, um, how, is it, how would she pay for that? Would it be credit? I have or like no an idea. IOU later type deal? I don't know. Maybe maybe she's gonna... Yeah, it, it's weird because when they are on Falcon Station, the station provide them yeah. what they needed and what they thought about. Because that fabric, in the first place, it was just red. And not, not with the Oh, golden... I know purple. Oh, never mind. But... The gold thingy wasn't on there. Yeah. And then it was. So I question myself yeah. how she how she's gonna pay. Is she going to maybe Fish for money? I don't know. But Grappler was mentioned the Ferengi, but maybe she is going yeah. to pay for it in like her services as a doctor. Hmm. She could have done that. Trade her services as a doctor. Yeah. But it. it that's what one thing I was thinking. Okay, they need to think about a little bit more about that of doing uh, this whole thing. Maybe it was just that they uh, went fast in because it is one and a half hour episode. So as we're going a little bit back, when Riker came on uh, the Enterprise. Picard was testing him and he had to do a manual docking procedure with the saucer section and the battle bridge. Yes. And it was kind of, it was going flat, a bit fast too. Like at the same time, he was so nervous about doing it. I don't think it was nervous. I was think he was, like Anxiety? I said, eager to prove himself. Yeah, that's because it. He, eager to prove He has a lot of experience. Yeah, and then he saw Deanna when he was on the ship there. He met up with Deanna. Yeah. And and you can shocked. tell there was something between the two, the way they spoke to each other. She called him, what is it? Imazadi. Uh, or Amisa? Imazadi, yeah. yeah. My Imazadi. It's like they had a fling with each other already before. Well, the funny part is, and we know that, of course, because we are Trekkies, we know that Riker is a ladies' man, but Diana yes. <laughs> tamed him, and that is very funny. Yeah, but she does change him. In a way, yeah, but I, 
also think uh, Luxona Troy has a little bit her hand in it. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. Also, um, what I noticed also is that Data's makeup is very shiny. I know. It's like gold shiny. Yeah, and... and it's, like they, it's like they put glitter in it or something. It is. I know that it is because there was a little interview with um, Marina Surtis and she interviewed um, Rand Spiner about it. And so he told them, yeah, in the first few episodes, you could see that we tested the makeup out because we wanted to see how it was on uh, on the screen. And the first time they mm. put it on, it was too glittery and too shiny. I also remember seeing something about his contact lenses. Yeah. One of them being like an orangey color and the other one being yellowy. Yeah. I am glad they went with yellow. Yeah, the weird part is, is that every time um, they talk about, I see those yellow eyes of him, it reminds me of Spot. Yes, cat. cat. Spot the cat. So, yeah, maybe they did a bit on purpose or whatever, but okay. I never really thought of that. Spot the cat. Hmm. Um, well, uh, when we go a little further into the episode, Jordy had to report to sickbay to Dr. Crusher and... Yes, um, his implants. They talk about the implant, his implants and there were two options for him, like an operations and... Um, painkiller. Yeah, painkillers, and he didn't want either of it. The nice thing of it, I remember a episode later on, is that, and that was the episode, um, that was the episode with, that he is gonna find his mom. And oh. with that interface uh, thingy, and that he didn't have to wear his uh, visor yes, to it. see. Visor. And he goes down onto the ship looking for people, and and he also wants to look for his mother too, I guess. I really like that episode. Um, I do think, um, and coming back on Trudy LaForge, his visor is has already been invented here in the real world, in the real time, and there are people who are who are blind, but with that visor they can see more things like can spectrum yeah and colors and stuff like that but i do think and they always and that's the fans always uh compare jordi laforce with harry kim from the voyager they both are very hopeless romanticers but never get the love they deserve yeah because I think Jordy, if I can't remember her name, Leah Brahms in yeah. that one of the episodes, he had a he had a crush on that girl like crazy, and he made like a holographic version of her, and she wasn't impressed when she found out. No, but what I mean also is that um, uh, it's some kind of a type that has to be there. But I do, I do love his techno babble. <laughs> Every, almost every episode he came with and I was thinking, wow, he is even more, he has even more techno bubble than Data. Well, yeah, 
And and those two are usually always hanging around with with each other too. Oh, I love that. I love that friendship. Do you remember that episode that Data <laughs> um, uh, grow a beard? Oh God, that was yes. I strike it. And Dana that was, and Shorty just could not stop laughing. Yeah, because he, uh, he took um, Riker as an example to grow yeah. a beard. That was so funny. That was so funny. He's like, oh, stroke it thusly. They're like, okay, that's a weird. So but, funny, because Shorty's like, no, don't leave me, Deanna. Do you notice also, uh, I said in the beginning of this um, episode of recording, that Data was uh, very programmed as the android, and but he was also like a curious child. Yeah, yeah. He's basically he's an android in an adult body, but with the mind of a, like a kid, like very curious and whatnot. And what you see also, like um, for example, that was on when Riker was looking for him on the holodeck. Yeah. And he was whistling, and um, he had a talk with, with Riker, and Riker was a little stirred about, okay, uh, he's superior about us, but why does he has a lower rank, and etc, etc. No. I find that was a very nice conversation about uh, the difference between the android and... Human. Human. And he... And... Yeah, like Riker was shocked by uh, Data when he met him in the forest there, doing that. I forget how the two went. I think it was like, <laughs> and Riker had to finish it for him. I think that's a, a really good point of seeing him like, okay, he is still really programmed as a android, and later on you see he has developed and more progressing in being, and and mm. that's what that's the beautiful thing I. Thought what the, he said was, yes, I'm superior than mankind, but I would l- rather all give it up to be human. Yeah, I I'm love superior that in word. every way. I would love to give it up to be human or something like that. He said. What I also notice is that the faces in the first few, well, let's say, uh, the first season was very were very small. It were not the big faces that we know. And in one way I thought, well, that is a little bit too small to be a facer, you know? Yeah. Some of the, like in future episodes, the facers get a bit faster and quicker. Like when you first see the little laser come out, you're like, that's a little slow. And then in future episodes, they seem to get a bit faster and coming out of their... There's a phaser there. Yeah, I was also thinking they, uh, they rather had doing that the first time right because it didn't make any sense to have a small phaser like that. So, like in the first few episodes or so, the phasers were like kind of small, like a mouse size small. Yeah. But yeah. then, but then they got a little bigger with a bigger handle on it, which would be more easier to hold on to. And then they also, I think in the movie, they had a phaser rifle. Yeah, but that, I think that is only one real threat is there, because I see that in a lot of other, uh, in a lot of the other movies, but also when, for example, 
for combat. I think it was first contact. Yeah, first contact. Yes, first contact. When uh, the Borg came down to the Enterprise and assimilated it, they had to use the mm. phasers to, uh, the big phaser rifles to fight them. Disrupt the Borg, which wasn't easy to do because the Borg had like um, armor type things. They only had one shot to get them, basically. Well, there's one guest appearance I really loved, and that was of the Admiral, played by the Force Admiral Kelly. Admiral McCoy. Yeah. Admiral McCoy, who... And Data was escorting him around. Yeah, and he, what I really loved about it is that he still was afraid of... Well, that was typical McCoy. Talking about mm. the transporter like that. And he still did that in an old age. So I really like that in a way. And he said, well, at least you're not a green-blooded Vulcan. <laughs> yep. Type attitude towards Data. We know all who that is. DeForest Kelly played Bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And that's why it's 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 very nice to see them, see them also back in older version of Star Trek series mm -hmm. or movies they're going to beam down to uh, Farpoint Station now and yeah. they're going to investigate it and yeah, yeah they're going to investigate the planet to see what keeps it running so well like like how they're able to sustain it and how it was made apparently Farpoint they say it was constructed using geo geothermal energy or something like that. Mm -hmm. And and the group group that they they claimed the constructor was the Bandy. So but it turns out it really really wasn't the Bandy. It was a squid like creature. Yeah. Which was so interesting. In a way, but you know, it also reminds me of that creature from uh, out in Voyager when they thought that. Voyager was their mom. Oh, what it called? I can't remember it. We also played in Stowe. Um, but it was like an, an, an yeah. And this creature. It's like a, like a squid. Mm hmm. Or like an octopus. Yeah. Something like it. But okay, um, when Diana, uh, for Diana and. Riker, Data, and, and the Force were investigating in those tunnels. She was the one Her who. Emotion. She was the one who sensed the creature, but they didn't know at the time mm. that it was a creature. They thought it was just a tunnel or where the source was. Yeah, they didn't realize it was the creature. She's like, somebody's very angry, and it was. She could feel its anger and pain because of what they were doing to it, but she didn't realize that it was a creature. She thought it was somebody in the city. But no, it was the creature she was sensing. And later on, when Riker gave them the order to beam up, you could see yeah. that there was still unfinished business in between them. Yeah, she's like, no, Amazda? Amazda? I can't say it right. Imzadi. But she said no to him. Yeah, Imazadi. She's like, no, Imazadi. He's like, no, you get back to the ship. And, and in one like, yes, way, sir. yeah, and I think in one way, that's also set the tone for the romance they have. Yeah. Future romance they have. And... Yeah. It is also that um, 
grappler was very, very bad in the way of treating the creature like that because he knew. And when Riker for the first time met with Grappler, yes, when he left, Grappler told the creature, "You have to do this because we kept you alive." Blah 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 blah. Yeah, so, you do that and basically threaten the creature. He did. Yeah, but also threatening the Enterprise because later on he said, "Well, if you don't do this, I we will go to the Ferengi." Yeah, and let them have commerce with them or something like that. Yeah, and so really like was the meeting with Riker and Wesley and Dr. Crushy on Falcon Station yeah. when because you could see that Riker was very enthusiastic to I think in a way of guiding Wesley. And I think Riker already understood that Wesley was a a special kid. And Riker would take him under his wing in future episodes too and help him out. Yeah, but basically. also I think it's like Wesley, of, well, Riker was like a mentor to Wesley. Yeah, that's it, a mentor to him. And that, you can see the difference between Riker and Picard because when Wesley oh. went to the bridge and the whole. Picard was not happy. Well, Picard wasn't happy, but also not upset. He knew who yeah. Dr. Crusher and Wesley Crusher were. And, yeah. But then he made a exception for Wesley to come on the bridge. Yes, and Wesley blown everybody's mind up because he knew already so much. Yeah, he was, he, that kid was like a literal genius. Like, he knew a lot of things that no other kid should really know. He's always special in that way, have been in that way. Like, uh, mm. Dr. Stubbs called him a wunderkind. And if I translate it to English, it's a, it's a wonder child. So, Wesley can do a lot. And you could see, um, after that, when... Picard welcomed Dr. Crusher personally. He apologized as well that... The way he, he treated her son. Yeah, and because uh, what Wesley was saying was right. And you could see that also in an other episode. I think it was later on when he not just had his position yet on the bridge, but he was helping out in the engineering and... They told him to go back to school, and he told uh, them, well, I don't think I'm going to learn any more things, something on school. And later on, he talked with Gaiden also about it. I think that was also the moment, but because that was the end of uh, that Dr. Crusher went to Starfleet Academy to become the uh, head of the medical... Uh, and Wesley had to come with her, but he didn't want to. So, no, Guinan made him clear it. of what do you want, and that's when everybody on the Enterprise is stepping in and help Wesley and educate him and babysit him, make sure he didn't get in trouble, tuck him into bed, as one of them said. Yeah, it worked. There was a 
Riker who said that and Worf was taking it up, to, up for him. But okay. <laughs> that would be funny. If you see that. Yeah, uh, bed, uh, young man. Yeah, listen to the Klingon. If he tells you to go to bed, you go to bed. Oh, but that, that that's a, and one way very funny. If you see later on uh, Worf on Deep Space Nine that he is uh, babysitting Miles O'Brien's son. Yes. That was one that of was the, the yeah one. Of, I thought it was Kiko O'Brien's father's name or whatever. But okay, oh, this was another episode, but it was very funny how Worf took that oath in a way because nobody would see him as a babysitter. Everyone sees him like that, this proud, strong warrior, Klingon warrior, yeah. Strong, proud Klingon warrior who upholds his uh, traditions, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, what we also have is, at a point, the other alien appears, and the first time yeah. they thought it was like a, another spaceship. Yeah, at first they thought it was the Ferengi. So, um, and of course, who is returning to the bridge again? I know a Q. lot of people. A Thank lot of Q. people. A lot of people love him, but he—he, he, um, I—I don't want to say I hate him, but he was irritating me always. He was always annoying. Yeah, me. he was kind of annoying. But I must confess, there was a episode in Voyager when the Q continuum uh, kicked him out, and he came. Oh. He had. Uh, he will become a human, and he took sixth uh, century on Voyager. Of uh, yeah, Voyager, and that was the moment I start beginning liking him because he had to, and it was also on Star Trek, uh, Enterprise, by the way, because he, I can remember that he, uh, they took his powers off and when he was in engineering he helped Jordi and Wesley with um, some configuration or whatever and his back he had back pain. So Oh they, that one. Yeah. So, and Jordy. And uh, they called for Doctor Crusher and Doctor Crusher had to massage his back and she was enjoying him to painfully massage him. She was enjoying that. Mm. Oh, yeah, because she was causing him pain. And, and she says, well, you've been a pain in our backside, she says. Yeah, and also, uh, <laughs> uh, in the word of something like uh, payback time. Yeah, for all the annoyance that he caused, it was basically payback time that he had a bad back. And she yeah. kept going to town on him. And I also, that was, um, in the first time I saw that one, Q appears on the Enterprise. He talked like Shakespearean, and then he mm. took the uh, World War II uniform, and oh, he started to uh, uh, talk like then, that. Yeah, then he had this weird outfit on. It was like all black with white squares on it, and this thing that sat on the sh- left side of his shoulder. 
and then he sniffed this little thing and acted like he was high or something like that. Like he was a wasted character on wearing that outfit. He like snorted this thing up his nose. Yeah, but it was also uh, that was his vision of how humankind would the future. Be. Yeah. And it was all about drugs and alcohol and how, and that's mm. how he looked like as well. But, and we come about a character now that I really liked, and that is about Tasha Yar. Tasha Yar was in the beginning very spicy. She was very rebellion. And mm. you could see that when she was with the others uh, in the courtroom uh, with Q, is that she talked before uh, she allowed to and also she mm. act before she and then she thinks thought yeah she basically thought before she acted or she acted before she thought or whatever i mean and i think she also during the court scene gave a swift kick to the guy or something like that mm -hmm. that was also and he, and he ended up shot by his other buddy he was like oh kill him so he shot him yeah. And didn't he also freeze her into a popsicle? Yeah. Yeah, he and froze her into a popsicle there in the courtroom for being disobedient. Yeah, and that is the first time you see Picard acting as a real captain and stand his ground mm. and be diplomat. And later on on the series, you you also can see how he grow in the his role as captain and as diplomat. Well, what I also like to come back off on is when Q appears, well, it was more like a, um, a force Star. field. Oh, that, yeah, force field first, yeah. That, uh, the, giant the Enterprise was not that uh, ready yet, but he was willing to... Uh, Test the warp drive, yeah, to its limit. Then the point came that Picard asked uh, to Data, can we separate the saucer section yes. and battle bridge in warp? And then you get his little techno bubble of, yeah, no, uh, <laughs> real androidy like. And that's one thing I do like of also the connection between Picard and Data. Picard is also like a mentor father for him. Yes, I was about to say that. He is like a mentor father figure first in the data. Like giving him all these advices and stuff. And advising him, basically. Yeah, but I think that Data has been mentored by Picard and by his friendship with Wesley and Riker and Jordy, Jordy, he learned how to be human. Of course, that went totally wrong when he got that emotion chip. Oh, boy. And, of course, his bad twin brother, Lore. Oh, oh Lore. Oh. Yeah, he was, he, he was a troublemaker, he was. Yeah, but also, I mean... Um, and that's what I really like about Brent Spiner. He did so much different types of Zoom and data that it was, uh, and I'm 
sorry guys but for the ones who doesn't have seen picard already when they that died for the second time i was bloody shocked i know that was like wow i was surprised too and you know it's i don't want to say it's 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 and yeah i don't know what 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 Kurtzman has in mind with all the rest of it, cause but okay, that's totally different. I, maybe I'm going to uh, talk about it in one of the other episodes of my other podcast, mm. or in the Tax Fantasy of Hi-Fi. So there's one thing, uh, one one line that is very very known for Q to say to Picard, and that is. Temper, temper, mon capitan. Yes. Temper, temper, mon capitan. And yeah, he said that a lot to him. I think that's what, what you could see the struggle of Picard uh, with Q. And that's the weird thing. They made uh, Janeway and Cisco stand up to him because mm. I had to laugh when Cisco punched Q. <laughs> punched him. Yeah, it was like a boxing match. It was a boxing match, I think it was, on DS9, and Cisco got the opportunity to punch someone right in the face. And and boy, Q was shocked. Yeah, because he always thought, I'm superior and nobody would harm me. Nobody can touch me. And also, um, what I noticed at the end of this episode, uh, Picard is called Riker for the first time number one. And yeah, he called him number one at the end of the episode. You never heard it throughout the episode, I don't think, until the end. Yeah, yeah, and then from that start, Picard is, has called Riker always number one. Yeah. So, in one but... way, if you see, and sorry guys, spoiler alert, Picard called. <laughs> Picard called his dog number one, so I think there's always a deep love connection. Not as in a romantic way, but as a friendship way. And I think that is very beautiful. I think this episode is clearly the start of a deep friendship between Riker and Picard. Yeah, I loved how he named his dog number one, and his dog was a pit bull. It was a rescue dog, too, if nobody knew that. It was a rescued pit bull. I forget where he said it was from, the Humane Society or something like that from a rescue group. And, yeah, I love that pit bull and the fact he named it number one. So, I have been told to all my notes. Do you have something else to say about this episode? Not that I can think of. I loved the episode. Yeah, me too. I loved the episode too. Although you could see it was really a, a pilot shot and they still were searching yeah. for how to go on it. And uh, But okay. Yeah, like they're, they were basically working the kinks out in the first episode of what they should be wearing, how the makeup should look on Brent Spiner, and stuff like that. They cast the characters as very well and like for example i don't know if you know this but denise cosby had audition for counselor troy and orina sartus had uh audition for tasha yard oh okay 
yeah, they ended up mixing them up. And luckily did oh. they did that because you've seen what the results it is. And the nice part of that is, yep. is that, um, I don't know, uh, well, I have said that before in, uh, in all my Twitter. Uh, I followed the podcast of Gates McFadden. And last time she interviewed Denise Cosby. And Denise Cosby talked about this a lot. So it is very nice to hear from her as well how she got the role and how she prepared for it and why she uh, went away and came back as Sila, her daughter. Okay, and, yeah, never Sila. And I must say, they on Star Trek Online they have written a whole timeline for her so. Uh, every time I play that timer, I want to kill her because Sile is so annoying in there. But she and a lot of other actors of Star Trek had lent their voices for Star Trek Online. So hmm. that's also their legacy. Wasn't yes. there like the alternate universe too where she was Yar but a different version of Yar? I can't like remember the... that. Because the whole different crew shows up, but they look so much different and, and more like... Oh, that was in, uh, with the episode that uh, with the uh, Enterprise C. And that Castellio came on and later on Tasha Yar wanted to go back with uh, Castellio because she didn't belong in that time period with the Enterprise Yeah, was. Yeah, that one. Like there was a double Picard, like basically double everybody. Well, oh! There's one more thing I see. Oops, <laughs> I've got that. When we getting to go first uh, for the first time on the battle bridge, we see O'Brien on the bridge wearing red, and he had no name and he had no rank. He had been no called helmsman. Yeah, that's all they called him was helmsman. And then what? Was a really little weird for me was that he ended up very soon in uh, the transporter room. Yeah, then he was transporter room engineer. Then I think he ended up working in engineering. No, yeah, but that was in Deep Space Nine. He was the only damn one who kept Deep Space Nine oh. running. But okay. Uh. Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I'm glad that he is on. Enterprise as well, and that he, well, not in a way that he has been appreciated as a officer, but well, we know what we have on him. There's one thing we still need to do, and that is we're going to rank this episode. So, what is your ranking for this episode, Amanda? Well, I liked it a lot, and it was like the first episode of Star Trek. I don't know what to make it. Oh my gosh. You want me to go first? Yeah, I'll let you go first. I rank this episode a six. It's slow. Good, but not that good, good that yeah. it will be uh, recognized as Star Trek. Because, mm. for example, there will be more episodes like the backgrounds of the characters, for example, with Worf. I love those. Yes, it is dark. It's on damn Kronos. It's about Klingons. 
and the whole story yeah. how he he have become uh, and why he joined Starfleet. I think those are more better episodes than this one. And yes, this was the first yeah, episode, but. Yeah, there's some, like, yeah, I have to go with you on that. I, I'm going to have to say around a six, too. It was good. It was a good episode, but some parts were a bit, I don't know, slow. But it was still entertaining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I, think... I admit some spots were kind of slow. Yeah. Sorry, guys, if you don't like my answer about being slow on Bert, but I found it. Mm-hmm. It's a bit slow in some areas, but there's some really good areas, like with Data and, and Riker and Jordy and them. But other than that, it was entertaining. It was a good episode. It's just some areas I found a little slowish. I think you get what I mean. Yeah, and I think that's. Uh, I think it was a little slow because they had a lot to tell it in was, one episode. Yeah, it was like a. Well, with the commercials, it was two hours, but without the commercials, it was like an hour and a half. And it was just their very first episode, so. Can't fault them on it, but. It was the first episode. Yeah. Well, Amanda, thank you very much to join me. And this is our first episode of Girls Talking Track. Yeah. I will see you in about <laughs> two weeks, I guess. Yeah. See you in a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening. And join us in two weeks with a new episode recap. The episode we're going to talk about is The Naked Now. If you like this podcast, you can follow, subscribe, and comment on the Facebook group and the YouTube channel of Ghost Talking Track.